This is called Blue Black Blues. Sometime I feel so blue, I think I must be black. So many nights I feel so blue, I think I must be black. My low so low it's indigo, or my color show up like that. The blues ain't nothing but the color of tears, and so I let them fall. Ain't no more than some drop of tears, and I'm gonna let them fall. A wonder I can see through my blue to see myself at all. I hold myself like I would a man when I feel blue like black. I hold myself when the tears fall blue, when I'm so blue I'm black. My man could bring my color back, but I don't know where he at. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Welcome to the Mad River Anthology. I'm Tim Ayers. An activist and hip-hop artist, a graduate of Duke, the New School of Social Research, and Stanford Universities, Tim M. T. West has been featured in hip-hop documentaries Pick Up the Mic and Beyond Beats and Rhymes. He's been an educator in California, New York, and D.C., and while teaching a class as a guest lecturer at Humboldt State University, he visited the KHSU studios to discuss his activism and his poetry, which explores being both black and gay in America. Here's part two of our discussion. So I did this other collection. Um, it's called Love in Full Color. Yeah. All this stuff is available at, um, at, at Northtown. Yeah. And this, this enabled me to do a little... Um, work and, and help uh, our support uh, of the, you know, no one eight, which, you know, unfortunately, you know, wasn't the direction things went in. But in a race that's often pit sort of what black people felt against what gay people felt, it was kind of interesting dichotomy that they created. With well, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it was like, you know, black people don't believe in gay marriage. I'm like, well, some don't, you know, <laughs> like, you know, black people are, and, and it's really interesting because I feel like, you know, it's, it's, you know, when, when, when black people get essentialized and reduced to all thinking or believing a certain way, it's really demeaning. Yeah. You know, it's, it's to say that, you know, you know, white people naturally have this complexity in order to, to, to think about things differently, but right. black people don't like, right. so, so Tim, tell us what the black opinion on, you know, right. and, and, you know, it's like, you know, and, and in particular for those of us who are both black and, and gay, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, I don't get to choose which civil right I want. Like, you know, right. if I don't get all of them, then, you know, there's a part of me that isn't quite, you know, free and, and liberated and, 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 you know, but I, but I, I think I purposely try in my sort of pro same sex, you know, union marriage poetry I, to use metaphors and imagery of sort of black struggle and, and black discrimination. Um, as a way of tying those two movements together because it's it's very easy for black people to tell Ellen DeGeneres that she doesn't know anything about the civil rights movement, you know, as a privileged white woman, you know, although lesbian. Uh, it's a little harder to tell me, <laughs> you know, as an African-American man in this culture and society that I don't have any reason comparing the two because I, I feel the brunt of racism uh, often on a daily basis. Um, but I also experience and deal with a lot of homophobia even in my own community mm -hmm. um and so yeah i see a lot of the parallels <laughs> mm -hmm. um about how that message comes across which is why in my in my poetry i, I try to 
you know, be unashamedly both, you know, black and, and queer in the writing. So this is Love in Full Color. Love the way love looks in full color. Him close to me, me happier for it. Warms the nights when clock ticks decelerate, lose rhythm. Unbecome the music pushing time along. And distance shortens these arms that hold myself with an urgency for missing him. He is the color of love on blue days. We brown boys, both hue men, deepening friendship classic like sepia tones. And there are those thinking blackmail is criminal, violently insubordinate, lazily thick by pedigree, who would prefer death on our faces rather than smile. Strange fruit rather than the orchids we bear with kiss and fuss and makeup. Love being abominable explains the excess of greed and death. So to those who deny colored boys these, this rainbow, we remain violently insubordinate in action, the agency of pole, our public display for we are healing the world. We grow thick and lazy with joy and full bellies for all our arduous work provides for our family to enjoy. We exploit the color of love till it bleeds a freedom not yet afforded, knowing our joy is no less when hate dismisses commitment ceremonies, rituals we enact each day we wake like millions to say, perhaps without words codified as vow, but with no less purpose than our reciprocal smiles, I do. Until that time comes that we don't feel any less um, married, I suppose, is the way to think about it. You know, I, I don't think that, that we don't discount the ways that we sort of make commitments to each other in, 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 in spite of um, the inability for it to be, um, you know, sort of legally sanctioned. My, my partner and I have this funny joke um, because I, you know, I, I, a couple of times referred to his siblings as my my in-laws, and he was like, "Well, he was like, you know, well, since it's not legal, they they can't be your in-laws." So I started referring to them as my illegal brother and my illegal sister. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm I'm racking up these illegal brothers and sisters through yeah. outlaws. Uh, the outlaws, I, I like that actually. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, my my <laughs> not my in-laws, my outlaws. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had an older relative that referred to the gay people and, you know, said the black rural South is being bent. And it was sort of a reference to the wrist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's uh-huh. like, oh, he's bent, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I wrote a poem called Bent. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere sandwiched between the bully and sissy, there was me, trying to produce in mirrors a man I could actually love and want to keep. Bent. Trading my body for my shadow, hoping that one would provide a respite from the other's torture. Bent. My blackness and invisibility trading places all the time. I've learned well how to beat myself up. I am quintessential shadow boxer brother. I am buff and so swole. Angry black man beating sissy black boy. Hands inadequate to jerk myself off. I be mandingo hung. I be neck or slit wrist bent. I be bittersweet strange fruit, tasting the bite of my own blood. It is sweet, like my father has bent me not to be bent.
Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm surprised. I really haven't gotten any hate mail or anything about any of my books. And I know there have been, like, you know, you know, really evangelical Christian types that have read it. And, and it's kind of surprising that, like, you know, something in it sort of creates a, an understanding that, you know, hey, this is someone just journeying through life and they don't got it all figured out. Most of us don't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And um, and when you see it in that way, it's I think it's uh, it kind of invites people who are who may see themselves as different to kind of you know explore this a little bit. Yeah, I know it's I know my work has changed lives, you know, and that's a really amazing thing, you know, beyond the ways it's changed my life that you know other people have have responded to it in some pretty intense ways. Yeah. By 25, the ages that flipped like lyrics, shouted and danced like holy spirits. My poetry escapes the ears of purists. Some open their third eye, started to hear it. Nigga rope and red dirt, aesthetic in the clearance section of the thrift shop. He be pop locking in my direction. Further introspection led to a connection. B boy gazes on another B boy and chats about black nationalism. Evils of religion, we shatter Afro traditions. Thick fingers pull locks at the root, it's cold. Mutual, naturally musical. I'm 25 and he untwisted all of the years I missed with the first kiss. We traverse blocks to the West Fourth stop. First love, soulmate, or perhaps not. Checkmate at 25 and pit stop on the way to Never Never Land, journey to being a man or something like that. Between being black and staying black is a lack you can feel by only being yourself. Go to the shelter for good health. Spin within the dry tears on the dance floor. Stevie Wonder, my Sharia more. Open the door, the sun's up. 25 and done survive the buck buck. More than good luck, things get unstuck. Forgive the self for all the fuck ups. And guess what? You already 26. Things are looking up. I came looking for it in rain. Some reminder of what home might smell like, but with each step it stepped out of reach, breaching the contract between birthright and hope. And so I stood by and watched it fade with my belief. This dream keep I have held up beyond dreaming is like breath underwater or mirrors hiding myself. So this it I looked for, hoping not to find it, could not stand to see me watch it walk away. And so it ran away and towards whatever it was running away from, me, some raisin sun unable to see his reflection in it. Harboring the residue of past unprotectedness was like a baby boy after the first walk, still mistrusting the grace of gravity, foreshadowing his own defeat. Falling into the fear he so fears, me, b-boy, and MC, not as apt to boast about being a poet, pondering the curl of letters into each other, have learned well how to walk this way, uncertain of next steps, unless masked. Stuff talking and crotch grabbing, dragging bare feet across concrete playgrounds and muddy waters running for myself. A few times, just before dreaming or in the stretch of a yawn, I let go just enough to catch it, watching me, vulnerable and disarmed and at peace, and I slipped into smiling again and let it fall into me. I started writing about it again. But this chase is a waste of time tripping over itself. My heart failing to beat on beat murmurs the memory of past heartbreaks, some rose thorn posing as a Harlem night. 
cutting these very hands that have tried to carry it. And it will always look like love. Whatever pure intent a smile in the eyes can try to relay, I'm on lock, feet unprepared to race, legs unwilling to jump hurdles, still standing still for a soul bold and strong enough to carry me. Coach my first steps again. Teach me how to catch it till I surpass myself and forget that I ever was unwilling to chase the dream again. Chase love. sensual scribble or ramblings that mediate the men I have been and the ones I become. My breath had been like ghetto morning dew suffocating underneath concrete, waiting to be unearthed by tears or the volcano echo of a scream deferred. My whisper became a flicker, became a flame, became an inferno consuming every impetus for a next breath, a next kiss, a next rhyme next time. Sensibility made little sense to me till I hardened my larynx to be my bell chime. Ringing a song of forgotten ancestors, somebody struggling to be nobody because he felt it safe in the world that way. Invisible man, native son refusing to send rays to melanin-hungry flesh, our tears awaiting their rainbow. I am 30 now, I am 25 plus 5, this page is my kingdom but there my thoughts reside. One moment to the next they slip onto each other. They are run on sentences afraid of a period or urgent like two seconds or eight inches could be the difference between life or death for bulletproof souls. 25 years older than five violations times five, I've learned to heal my own scars. A mixture of saliva, tears, and a whisper cools the broken places. A dream and a desire to smile a little more. My prayer for the I come across as such a softy, right? <laughs> it's like all oh, this love stuff, man. It's like ah, you know. It's worth mentioning that, like, you know, as a rapper, I'm not quite the same guy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was listening to some of the stuff on my my recent album that's about to come out, and it's a, some of it's really ag- aggressive, like, you know. Yeah, I saw some of the video of you performing, mm-hmm. but that was after I'd seen you read at Northtown. Oh wow! And okay, I thought, this is a different guy. It's a different, yeah. It's, it's you know what I think it's. Th- there's a the poet and the rapper kind of balance each other, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. I talk, I talk in in that poem, love about like you know, sort of, you know, that in some circles it's easier to admit being a rapper, you know, than to be a poet. Like that, the mm-hmm. poet isn't isn't seen as being as much a man. That there's a, a certain sensitivity and softness there that a lot of men try to guard themselves from. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas being a rapper is just automatically sort of like puts you in this position of you know you know power and and dominance mm-hmm. and, you know over women over other men and um and so i'm I'm glad that the poetry I write sort of does balance that that part 
Uh, I was reading a recent uh, early review of a, a forthcoming album, and the, the reviewer talked a lot about that. How, in so many ways, I'm the anti-rapper rapper because mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't buy into some of the, the you know, usual tropes of masculinity and dominance and and sexism. And then he's like, I have the, he's like, well, the, you know, but Tim also has these moments where he like he does, you know, morph into this person who's very sort of aggressive and you know, mm-hmm. and and bullying and <laughs> you know, if lyrically and uh-huh. you know, and if you know bashing someone who seems to be a jerk or a sexist pig or a homophobe, you know, uh, and, and he's like, you know, what is it about being attracted to that, that same voice that has sort of taken up the, the strategy of the person that's bullying mm-hmm. in order to sort of fight back? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, it comes from a different source, you know, when, mm-hmm. we're, when we're sort of taking up some of those methods to protect ourselves and our communities, you know, um, there's a time and a place for outrage. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. That you know, there's a time and a place for you know, as as a masculine gay identified man, queer identified man, it's been really interesting because, you know, I grew up seeing uh, sissy boys like poked fun of in, in mm. school and it, it always bothered me. Mm. Uh, and I would sit and I would watch it. I never would participate in the bullying. Mm. Uh, I was always clear that like the least I could do was not participate in it. Mm. Um, that even if I wasn't bold enough to say stop and not do something mm-hmm. about it, but I always knew that, you know, when I came of age, you know, that I would be an advocate for those people, um, mm-hmm. you know, who, who went through so much stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just being different. And even, even as, you know, I'm able to pass for straight in a lot of circles and, you know, mm-hmm. so, which enables me sometimes, I, you know, I get to hear the homophobic comments because people don't right. think they're directed at me. Right. <laughs> but then I also get sometimes, you know, when, when I feel it's a, a, a safe enough environment to, to say, hey, that wasn't cool, yo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not, you know, right. that's not cool. You know, you're talking about me. Oh, you're kidding me, man. You? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, we're sitting here watching Monday Night Football and I'm a fag. <laughs> <laughs> No change without actions. Political factions disgusted and trust us. Still, I feel it's courage they lacking to create better lives for the masses like Mick. We can't get no satisfaction. How can we go revolution without evolutions of ideas and concepts? Change isn't complex. Rather, it's inevitable and very necessary. Those turning the blind eye to change need clarity. A thought to movement. As I'm going to lose it like Missy, like I do when Wack MCs try to diss me. Holes in your pocket so your bling is worthless. Our minds are malnourished, so I got to nurse this. Change going to come true as the Sam Cooke River runs. And show as this verse is done. And bridge frustration from D.C. to U.K. But y'all think change is gay, so you don't hear me, though. Nothing's going to change. You had a story about, um, was it about Bakersfield or something? Or some town? Oh, the Palo Alto story, yeah. Palo Alto. Yeah, the wrong hood story. Would you like me to read that one? Yeah, because you tell that story too? Yeah, the whole, yeah, yeah, for was, sure. Um, so it's interesting, you know, to, uh, moving from Brooklyn to Palo Alto. And, you know, while the Bay Area is pretty diverse, generally, like, there's some areas that are not as diverse. <laughs> and Palo Alto and East Palo Alto are, like, night and day. Um, but um, so I was, you know, I was on campus and kind of got lost in a particular neighborhood where someone shouted something at me that reminded me that I was 
probably not welcome there, or, you know, at least looked out of place. And so I wrote a, a small piece. Uh, actually, I returned to the campus, and I was so upset at being called a boy <laughs> mm. or being screamed at. Boy being the name that was sort of you know, the reprimand. Uh, and I wrote this thing on uh, a whiteboard, sort of the first feelings that I had. Oftentimes, yeah, that's my poetry sort of comes from this emotional space. So I wrote down the first thing on my mind, and I left. It stayed on the board almost a week. I think people were afraid to erase it. <laughs> and where was this at uh, school? This was at Stanford. It's, so you yeah. went up in, in class at Stanford. Yeah. Well, and this wasn't. I think. Yeah. It was. I think it was after class. I think I had gone to class, and at the end of the class, I was, this thought was brewing in my head, and uh-huh. I just, I wrote it on the whiteboard, and like two or three days later, it was still there. And I know other classes met in that room, but it was like uh, people were like afraid to touch it or something. <laughs> um, so this is called Wrong Hood. Hot as hell up in this piece. Please do not mistake my sweat for tears, nor my daunting gaze for anger. It's nice and sunny and light outside in Palo Alto. And two days ago, some cracker yelled at me, Boy, I guess I didn't suppose to be in his hood. The birds even. Echo that damn word. Boy, they do not sing light, Palo Alto-like. Do not mistake their song for happy, happy. They probably pissed, just like me. Not crying, just hot and a little uncomfortable. Sweating at the eyes. I'm fortunate to be good friends with Intezaki um, Shange, um, you know, really prolific writer and poet and playwright. And uh, right before I left Oakland for D.C., um, she and I became friends. I helped her move into her place, and we just started writing and sharing stuff. And and um, and this was just something for her and like, for other women that you know. I think through my my experience with HIV, it sort of sensitized me to a lot of the other things that people deal with health-wise, uh, you know, among those things, cancer and all kinds of other, you know, diseases that, that we're sort of having to deal with, you know, and and to see the connections between these things, um, you know, I think in some ways it sort of helped humanize my experience to know that, like, you know, that there there doesn't have to be this shame around you know, why you have a disease. And I think oftentimes AIDS gets treated very differently than some of the other things. Um, but this is sort of, you know, for for her and my aunt and, and other women, and the women and the men that take care of the women that are dealing with things like cancer. The healers. I pray that we remember the lessons we were taught by healers when the time comes for them to be healed. For I know black women so fierce in their loving that it burdens the body. The excesses of their love bleed beyond their poetry, beyond the kitchen scents they conjure up, beyond the hugging they do with eyes, like when they start to miss you before you leave. So I am saying a prayer for these women who weep sometimes in silence, that some of the courage they'll need to get beyond these uncertain diagnoses, these little lumps that threaten to spread, that lurk like doubt does in our heads until carved out, 
when we sometimes have to carve out space between the rock and the hard place, I pray that prayers will be enough to heal healers. Yes, I hope for the leap of faith that those who love the healers must take to get beyond these hurdles. Be strong for women who've shown nothing but strength. Then we can grant them permission to be scared, weak, afraid, because we are strong enough not to be for their sake. Because we believe in miracles blessed as holy water, sacred as olive oil on Pentecostal foreheads, because we were taught well by women who dare to envision our safety so fiercely they make it so. Yes, I pray that we remember the lessons we were taught by healers when the time comes for them to be healed. That cool. That was really nice. Cool. Well, um, so, you know, I'm really excited about this flirting collection because it's flirting in the sort of broad sense of, like, you know, how we live um, with memory, with, with girls, with boys, with romance, with politics, and with danger and, and make it through life. But I think it, it's also connotative of a joyfulness and a sort of optimism um, that through this pain and stuff that people go through that there's always, you know, as long as you can flirt, <laughs> there's there's a potentiality for joy. And I don't mean like flirting with another immediate person, but just sort of the ways that we flirt with life and the ways that we sort of become excited and interested about any number of things. And so um, I want to read the title poem, actually, because uh, I think it says a lot about the book. When tomorrow seems a stretch, a seventh breath sustains me, carries names like Neruda, Jordan and Hemphill on the edge of my tongue, conceives a place soft enough to hold the confluence of hopes, the politics, memory, danger, romance I flirt with daily. Yet sometimes I run from what feels good, try to anticipate the right moment to fall for boys or girls like the wet at the corner of my eyes. Deserving as much as I've given, a soul sensing the blushing of its chaos, Somebody to encourage the soft falsetto piercing sensuality through baritones. I will always flirt because I believe in its magic. Especially after loving has failed me. Have always cherished being somebody's man. Unafraid to hold somebody beyond their inadequacies or fear of self. Beyond the man I can sometimes be becoming that someone I'm still trying to become. So I believe that someday flirting will lead to loving and choose to stay. I will find myself abiding there, having left no part of me behind. Such joy is to die for. And when people suggest that living like this is child's play, I'll remain stubborn to the sense that I still taste its goodness, cherish looking and being looked back at, my finger tracing the essence of love's tattoo, stretching back to receive my eyes, gazing into its gaze, trying to pretend not to see me, and still eliciting electricity or seducing smile. Nothing complex. It is the sensualism of hope, the mere faith that joy will come like sunshine or smile returns. And those who flirt in love like me will find the courage to write or dream past blocks, hope courageously enough to imagine a poem, a ceremony, a song, for somebody we barely know get something in return that lasts forever. Mm -hmm. 
You've been listening to poet, hip-hop artist, and educator Timim West. His books include Red Dirt Revival, a poetic memoir in six breaths, and Flirting. His albums are songs from Red Dirt, Black Boy Blues, and his newest, In Security, The Golden Error. For more information on the web, visit reddirt.biz. If you have questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 826-6089. On our blog and online archive of past programs can be found at madriveranthology.wordpress.com. The show is also available in iTunes. The Mad River Anthology airs the second and fourth Sundays of the month at 10 p.m. and is produced for KHSU located at Humboldt State University in Arcata, California.